Well, hello and welcome to A Plain Accounts podcast, where every week we get together and discuss the upcoming gospel election. We are in the season of Lent. It is March 16th today. We are approaching the fifth Sunday of Lent, the the Sunday before Palm Sunday. Um, And again, we are focusing on this narrative of the uh, crucifixion of Christ and what that means for the church. As always, I'm joined with my co-host, Pastor Alicia Mathentic. Alicia, how are you this Tuesday morning? Hey, you know, uh, after daylight savings time, it's a little bit lighter around yeah. here. I feel <laughs> like spring is coming. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's, that feels like good news. Mm-hmm. Have some hot coffee and um, the snow is melted. Uh, I know some folks got like a blizzard over this past Oh, week, wow. But- but around around over here like things are looking up like feeling the hope of spring i hope <laughs> yeah i'm i'm hoping with you <laughs> uh, our listeners we don't know if if you feel this way but alicia and i often talk about how tuesday is our monday cuz i i take mondays off um and alicia you take mondays off as well right sort of i keep a low key monday like a yeah. really low key monday yeah um so i yeah, answer yeah. emails and that sort of thing. But sure. Tuesday feels like we're like back in the lane, mm-hmm. right? And like yep. Sunday's coming. So we, we're picking up the scriptures, unpacks from the shelf, looking at the calendar, mapping it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it feels like, like Tuesday we've got back at it kind mm-hmm. of energy. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling that exact same way. And we're, we're, we're excited to, to dive into the scriptures together. Just a bit of, of context, as, as we mentioned last week, Jesus was talking about how he will be lifted up just as Moses lifted the serpent up in, in the wilderness. And we talked about some of the components uh, that might mean. And Jesus is still talking about what it means to be uh, lifted up as the center of God's presence in the world. He compared himself to the temple, both in the um, the turning over of the money changers uh, tables. And that motif is clear throughout the gospel of John, where Christ is now the locus, the location of, of God's presence in the world. And so this passage, again, we're going to be looking at that crucifixion motif, what that means for salvation of the world before we see feet on the ground with the triumphal entry uh, on Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday. Uh, anything you want to want to say more about the, the context before we read the, the passage this morning? Yeah, I, I think um, it's important to remember that we're reading some passages from John, mm. um, which grounds us in this cosmic Christology, right? Remember the opening chapters of John in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it seems like one of the goals of John's gospel, that's really different, or at least like significantly separate from the other synoptic gospels is to keep pointing back to this cosmic nature of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so John often points us in these philosophical existential cosmic places. Um, and 
and I, like I have to admit sometimes it's hard for me to put my finger on mm-hmm. <laughs> like I like I'm way better at the like at the at the narrative imagery of Luke or the like nitty-gritty emotional energy of Mark or some of these other kinds mm-hmm. of things but when we zoom out to this kind of cosmic place I'm like I don't know it's a mystery right right <laughs> <laughs> so I like I'm I'm doing my best to challenge myself to be more concrete about my language mm-hmm. when we talk about these things that are the mystery of our faith um and this is always the challenge that the gospel of John offers to me. Um, yeah. So I'll do, I'll do my best to be, to be worthy of the challenge. No. But, but I, I, I also think that because of that, like super big picture cosmic nature, we're always talking about death and resurrection together. Right. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we can't talk about resurrection without talking about death right. because resurrection isn't a thing if there isn't a death first Um, but also Jesus is never just talking about death period end of story Jesus Mm -hmm. is always talking about death and resurrection and so those feel like such separate concepts um in my human imagination and I'm I'm doing my best to like broaden my mind (laughs) this Mm. morning and receive receive the these um receive these pictures that Jesus is trying to offer of like a really different cosmic reality yeah well that's really good it's also daunting to think about preaching a 20 to 30 minute sermon on this cosmic reality you know and trying to bring that so that's that's what we hope these conversations are are fuel for to help really give that concrete language those thoughts that you're you're saying Alicia to this very cosmic theme that that John has really been belaboring here throughout his gospel Um, so let's look at John chapter 12 verses 20 through 33 I'm going to read from the common English translation today and we'll dive in and talk about some of these uh, things that, that come up in our reading. Verse 20, some Greeks were among those who had come up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee and made a request, sir we want to see Jesus. Philip told Andrew and Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Jesus replied, the time has come for the human one to be glorified. I assure you that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it can only be a single seed. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their lives will lose them, and those who hate their lives in this world will keep them forever. Whoever serves me must follow me. Wherever I am, there my servant will also be. My father will honor whoever serves me. Now I am deeply troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this time? No, for this is the reason I have come to this time. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard and said, It's thunder. Others said, An angel spoke to him. Jesus replied, This voice wasn't for my benefit, but for yours. Now is the time for judgment of this world. Now this world's ruler will be thrown out. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to me. He said this to show how he was going to die. This is the written word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So I'm reminded at the at, right at verse 20 that during this time, at least in John's context, um, the, the inclusion of Gentiles in temple worship, at least to, uh, 
a certain point was much less restricted. And so it's not uncommon to have Greeks or Gentiles in the in Jerusalem during the time of the Passover or Holy Feasts. Um, and so them being there, they are enjoying this maybe more closeness to the proximity of the presence of God in the world as non-Jewish people. And yet they're still there asking for Jesus. They want access to Christ, which is, I think, something that we can't really uh, gloss over, that those who are outside of what is commonly known as the covenant people or God's chosen people are are seeking access to to Jesus um, and what that means for, for Christ's mission in the world. Yeah, I think that's really important in, in the structure of this passage. There is this request. We would like to see Jesus. We want to see yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and it's fascinating that this is the reply that Jesus gives. Right. I, our, our text is a little bit ambiguous. It's it, not it exactly is. clear like to whom Jesus is speaking. But I'm imagining that, that folks have approached uh, Philip and Andrew. Also, hi, Philip and Andrew. You have <laughs> story very much. Good to see you. Thanks, thanks for coming by. <laughs> um, but it feels like it feels like folks have like have grabbed a hold of one of the disciples who they know is with Jesus, and they say, "We want to see Jesus." Mm-hmm. And then I imagine the disciples carrying the message and Jesus as Jesus usually does has come to see them or has like made a way to encounter them. So I guess I'm, and our text doesn't say that directly. It's not sure whether I'm not sure whether Jesus is specifically talking to the disciples or if he's talking to the people who were seeking him. Mm. Um, But it seems like there's a larger crowd here. Right. So Mm -hmm. anyway, I, what I'm trying to say is I find it really fascinating that this speech is what Jesus gives to outsiders who are looking to connect with him. Uh, uh, The speech about how he's going to die about, um, about seeds falling into the ground and, and bearing much fruit. It's uh, just such an interesting response to somebody who, who says, I want to see you. I'm, I'm looking for you. And he's Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to die. Yeah. So are you. <laughs> right. So, so like what then? Cause that leads me to think, well, then this is the introduction to the kingdom. This is the introduction into my presence. Like this is what you, um, what the world needs to see and know, or that same theme from last week's text in John chapter three, looking upon Christ and believe is this sort of, introduction into God's kingdom. Right, right. And, um, and such a different approach than so much of our, what might we call seeker sensitive model, mm-hmm. yeah. where, we, where we never want to put anybody off. Um, I mean, why? I'm, and that's important. I think like, if, yeah. we're, if we're going to be, if we're going to be speaking important and difficult truth then they then then we need to be able to speak a language that people understand yeah knocking that but i do think we learned something really interesting from jesus who from the get-go lays out this is a hard and difficult way yeah it's a way of suffering it's a way Mm -hmm. of giving over yourself Mm -hmm. and in in that way you find a different kind of life but don't be don't don't be taken in don't don't be mistaken this is this is a way of death if you want to see me then that's what that means Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's so good 
I, I wonder then, because my, my thought goes into how often, like why the seeker movement may have been born is because of how dogmatic and legalistic preaching on Christ's death had had become to where it wasn't necessarily preached as a way of this is the way God defeats death. And this is why we're invited to take it on ourselves and defeat the ways of death or sin in our own life through the power of Christ so that we may be in the light. We may be in uh, the life of God. Perhaps it's more been presented in a way of, of shame or guilt that look at what Jesus did for you. How dare you deny the sacrifice that was made? Like Jesus, you know, sort of this penile substitutionary, you know, theory of atonement where it's like Jesus paid it all for you and you're not willing. You're so ungrateful that you're not willing to accept that Christ died for you. So I wonder if it's been the mode of how we've presented this in our culture in, in days past that that produces models like the secret sensitive that takes a lot of the power out of that. Sure. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm reminded again and again that, that generations upon generations, centuries and centuries have been of, of folks have been trying to talk about this in ways that feel true. Yeah. And yeah. it's really difficult. It I mean, is. Like, oh, it's like uh, produce like some really terrible theology and terrible practices. Um, not intentionally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I have a lot of like generosity, a generous explanation for, I don't sure. know, that, the, the breadth of Christian tradition. Um, but it, anyway, it humbles me as I come mm-hmm. to passages like this and moments like this in the church year, when like, this is, this is the moment when we're, when we're really zooming in like microscopically onto right. the, onto the crucifixion, the suffering and the death of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and it's hard to talk about that in like a comprehensive way yeah. and not, um and not slip up somewhere you know right for sure yeah anyway so I I do I do wonder about this um this pendulum swinging back and forth sort of like you're saying where Mm -hmm. there's there are seasons in in Christian past where we've emphasized um the harshness and um the the suffering the penalty the judgment the Mm -hmm. the 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 guilt and the shame um of the cross um the punishment that brought us peace was upon him mm-hmm. and like and, and there's all sorts of ways our scriptures talk about that and, sure. and we can't and we can't ignore those things but it does also seem that sometimes they received a disproportionate amount of weight to mm-hmm. some of the the other things that our scriptures remind us like right the last enemy that shall be defeated is death. Mm-hmm. The like the 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 victory of Christ over death in the grave. The um, the harvest of new life that comes only by submitting to the darkness of death. I I don't know. Yeah. I'm struggling to like to name that. I'm I'm really trying. <laughs> yeah. No. That I think that's I think those are important things to wrestle with because just as it's tempting to like throw off one bad way of talking about the atonement for a different extreme. I think the goal really is to not have it be shaped by one, a one dimensional 
extreme or the other, right? And to take the the full breadth of what is revealed on on the, on the cross, because it would I would prefer to have my theory of atonement based on this passage alone, you know, by itself. But it it has to be taken fully with the rest of the scripture. But in this passage specifically, it feels like this request of the world, because it's not just God's chosen people, it's the, the Greeks, the Gentiles, those who would be considered outside that covenant. Jesus is drawing the world to him through this death. So it's this drawing moment for the world to see what is being revealed on the cross as that invitation to be in the presence of God. And it doesn't seem that when Jesus says now is the time for judgment of this world, it seems to harken back to what we talked about last week about when, when the serpent was raised up in the wilderness by Moses, the invitation was whoever wants to look upon this and believe will be healed. But those who don't will remain, you know, in darkness or will remain into that, that chaos of death. Right. And the same is true for this cross here. Like that judgment is those who would look upon God taking on death, the thing that has continued to leave them subject to futility and endless death, God is taking that upon God's self on the cross. Will the world look upon that and be saved or be counted among those who say, I don't want that healing in that way. I don't want that sort of gift uh, because it seems so diametrically opposite of what, um, what healing should look like. Uh, you know, yeah. so I think my mind is really wrestling with that sort of invitation there and what it means for the judgment to be displayed on the cross like that. Yeah. I think, um, I, I think it's important, um, to focus on this aspect of judgment or appropriately judging mm -hmm. or naming or right. identifying what is true, what is good, what is beautiful, what is of God and what is not. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this is, this is the judgment here is like, as Jesus is raised up on the cross, the powers of empire are mm -hmm. judged and humiliated are proved to be, empty to be false uh this is yeah this this jesus's scandalous act of self-giving love a giving over of himself as a completely innocent person to mm -hmm. this horrific death brought on by the greed and um mm -hmm. violence and um power hungry nature of the empire it it shines a it shines a light back. It reflects a mirror back on the empire itself, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That that you you have done your worst to this innocent man, and the 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 one who came out the loser was you in the yeah. end. Empire, yeah. yeah, like the the empire lost in the end. Mm -hmm. uh, as as we believe, all empires will. Yeah, um, yeah. And and then again, there's this sort of pun or this like double language as we talk about Jesus being raised up because it's not just Jesus raised up on the cross but then there's later Jesus is raised up from the grave and then it's the powers of death the mm -hmm. like the power of the grave that is ultimately humiliated mm -hmm. um or or judged to be 
not belonging to the life of God or the work of God. Um, and, and, and these, these things are tied up together in, in, yeah. in a significant way mm-hmm. um, where, where God's judgment names the violence and greed and power of the empire as like, as done like mm-hmm. passes judgment on those as well as passes judgment on the final power of the grave and instead offers a different kind of life. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and this is, this is the stuff that Jesus has been trying to tell his disciples. And this is also the stuff that doesn't make any sense to them until mm-hmm. after he's gone. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. It sent my mind uh, kind of spinning in so many different directions. I didn't really know where to where to <laughs> where to really land with that. I I wonder then um, because Jesus says in in the last few verses, now is the time for the judgment of this world. Now is the world's ruler will be thrown out, and that harkens to exactly what you're saying that it's not just the empire's dominion but the, the elements, the characteristics that shape the empire's dominion. It's, it's that coercive control. It's, the, it's hate. It's greed. It's all of these factors of sin that lead to corrupt powers in, in the world that can co-opt uh, people large and small um, right. that leaves death in ultimate control right so like if we think of death on the throne of the world then that emanates to like because your greed emanates from this thing that there will never be enough and there's an end the clock is running out so I need to get all that I can now it's shaped by death right the the hate is shaped by the reality of death like all of these things are under this dominion of the ultimate ruler of, of death that dictates all of life when Jesus is saying, I'm going to conquer death so that I can dictate all of life <laughs> so that I can be the ruler, the one who reigns over all of life rather than death. Do you feel like that's, right. that's off base? No, no, that like that, that rings true with Jesus's metaphor of the seeds that die. And unless mm. somebody hates their life in the world, which seems like really strong language, but I think what Jesus is trying to say is like, unless you learn to unlearn unless you unlearn that love of of legacy importance power influence etc unless you unlearn those things aka hate the world Mm -hmm. then you cannot be a part of this new life because that's what this new life is doing it's like it's untangling that 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 automatic impulse to fight Mm -hmm. death on our own with our own strategies right like this is this is the impulse that goes back to the tower of babel like let us build a name for ourselves let's um or that like that's that's the root of all empire right um and and jesus jesus offers like a radically different way um that says like actually the true the true way that you that you fight death is um or like the true way that you leave a legacy is is something totally different than what the world has been telling you right right well isn't that that theme also kind of present in in the serpent in the garden with adam and eve about that question around taking the fruit 
the serpent plants this idea of like, will you surely die? Like, is, is, is it, is death really, you know, this, this dominating force in your life? I think God really just wants to keep eternal life all to God's self, you know, uh, like it plays with those motifs as well, leaving Adam and Eve susceptible to death being what ultimately defines humanity because they chose their sort of determination apart from from God yeah yeah and and so then the invitation is to is to give ourselves fully over to the life that Jesus models Mm -hmm. and 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 Jesus doesn't necessarily paints a really pretty picture about that right like I I think this is another thing that compels me about this text or gives me pause as I try to figure out how do I talk about this in a faithful way um but Jesus himself is troubled by this um Mm -hmm. now my heart is troubled like what but what shall I say um save me from this hour no Mm -hmm. like this is the very reason I've come um and but but yet yet we see we see the struggle in Jesus's own life and yet he he is always the one who is faithful mm-hmm. um and and we'll see even more of that as we move as we move through uh holy week and Jesus's prayer in Gethsemane as he's like in anguish praying that there that there's some other way for yeah for him to be faithful to God's mission in the world. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I don't really know what to do with that all the time. Um, yeah, I I find it simultaneously comforting and disturbing mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. like, Jesus is Jesus is troubled too. That that yeah. the that the way that Jesus models is is troubling, mm-hmm. um, like almost at this fundamental yeah. level. But then part of me says, like, well, if Jesus is troubled, like, what hope is there for me? But, <laughs> You're right. Um. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think that's so good to to connect again to what you're talking about with with empires. If Jesus is our king, because we're going to be celebrating Jesus as our king on Palm Sunday, you know, laying down palm fronds is such an ancient way of uh, hearkening royalty into our space. Um, and Jesus here is not only talking about the ruler of this time being thrown out, but the in what he says what shall i say father save me from this time in verse 27 is literally a quote from king david now all to reveal my biases i'm a much bigger fan of the prophet nathan than i am of king david i think i think there needs to be so much more emphasis in in christian uh, upbringing on nathan than maybe king david as this example of leadership um because really if we take scripture as a whole god prophesies through samuel that a way that kings will be in the world and even though david may be the best one that they got david still fulfills all of the prophecy that god said kings would be in the world and the prophets kept pointing out and saying is this really still what you wanted And so Jesus is then saying that whole power structure that you built for yourselves in the world of kings and empires that God prophesied through Samuel all the way back then, that that's how they would operate. They are still operating in that endless cycle of oppression, evil, and death. And so this new king 
is going to reign in a way you've never seen before, to usher in a kingdom you've never seen before, and the cross is the way that that kingdom is ushered in into the world. That is how that king will reign and be, be lifted up. Right, that um, to quote N.T. Wright, or to paraphrase rather, God is becoming king in Jesus, and that's happening on the cross, mm-hmm. like in, in some fundamental way. So even, even when I don't know like how to talk clearly about atonement theories or like death, resurrection, et cetera, et cetera, that, like, that's what I know I can say for sure. Yeah. God is becoming king in Jesus, and that's happening on the cross. Mm-hmm. And so what then does that mean for, for the rest of, of our lives, for the rest of, for the rest of history? Um, like God is becoming king in Jesus. That's happening on the cross. And that, that death is never the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we follow the way of the cross, this like self-giving, self-emptying, scandalous act of sacrificial love like we come out on onto the other side yeah um and and find that in some way god has transformed mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. sacrifice this death in into something else like there's there's a there's a fundamental change that happens yeah yeah um, and yeah I don't I know. I, I think it's, it's as mysterious to us now as it was to the disciples then. This is also in the, in the middle of our text where there's like a voice came from heaven <laughs> and everyone's yeah. like, we don't know what that's about. Because right. <laughs> right. Right. sometimes I think like, oh, if we had just been there or, or if sure. we could hear voices from heaven, then things would be clearer. We would know what to do. That's not true. Nobody knew. Nobody yeah. knew what was going on. <laughs> No one knew. Right. And if we were there, like we keep thinking seeing is believing, but so many of the people who saw were just as confused and perplexed as we are right now. Right. Right. And yeah. And yet we find our company amongst them as we also yeah. say, we want to see Jesus. Sure. We, sure. we want to see Jesus. Right. And so, yeah. so we trust, we trust that, that then Jesus who knows us and loves us and responds to us is always offering us the truth that we seek, right? Yeah. As we kept company with folks like Nicodemus, mm-hmm. with so many, uh, with the with the rich young ruler, with so many other folks who have come um, to seek Jesus. Yeah, Jesus reveals the way that we ought to walk, and even though it's troublesome and yeah. confusing and difficult, we we find, in fact, that it is the way of life mm-hmm. and of hope and of peace. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like that's like those are the mysteries of our faith, right? Right. That, right. That, and and that as we walk this way, it's not just for us, but for the sake of the world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That to to reiterate again, I feel like I'm saying the same things. Like God is becoming King in Jesus, and that's happening on the cross, and it's for the sake of the whole world. Mm-hmm. And and that transformation is happening in us and in our own hearts, so that so that we can say with confidence the same power that conquered the grave lives in us, lives in our own hearts and empowers us to live holy lives. Yeah. Um, and, and to, and to do, to do the work that God has given us to do, right. To give mm-hmm. ourselves away in the same way that Jesus did Yeah. Um, for the sake of the world. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, I want to 
get a little take a john's invitation to get a little cosmic and a little existential before we end our sure. conversation today and i, I you know I, I i love this opportunity of the podcast to like think out loud about you know half-baked theology half-baked thoughts and i i think it's so important to work out um our our theology together because this podcast is really a context to do theology we're really trying to wrestle with these concepts and one of the things that I've really wrestled with for quite some time, years now, um, is when, when I first started thinking deeply about the, unless a seed, a grain of wheat or a seed falls to the ground, the earth and dies, um, it can only be a single seed, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. It's a sentiment that Paul echoes as well in, in his letter. And I was struck by it when I was reading Genesis uh, the creation account, how before Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden, we see seeds falling to the ground and becoming fruit. Like that cycle is present there in the garden before the quote unquote fall uh, of, of humanity. And so it made me think of, of this thought that, you know, I was raised to think that work wasn't a part of life until after the fall, like that work was somehow this product of sin when really work was actually just um, was put under the dominion of futility and death after the fall, but work was sanctified in the garden. It was one of the first commands of God. And so that actually led me to think, well, perhaps this season of, of death was actually part, if decom decomposition was there, seeds fell to the ground and, and, and things grew from the ground out of those seeds, perhaps death has always been part of the, of the, the structure of creation of God's creation. And yet sin actually put a stop to and made death the final say over creation that, that death was already always a part of it for things to grow into resurrected eternal life with God. And yet death then had the final say over creation, just like what Paul would say, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And I believe that gift was there from the beginning and yet sin in many ways is choosing to not receive that gift uh, and yet to actually take our chances with death uh, on, our, on our own. And so then what I'm left with this question, then what if part of Christ's work is to end that endless cycle, which was God's purpose from the beginning, so that death would actually result in resurrection and eternal life, that th that would be the restored sal salvific gift, um, so that death would never have the final say ever again um, over, over humanity, but the, that gift of eternal life would be um, that eternal gift of grace to humanity that we can choose to look upon and, and believe and, and be safe. I don't know. Again, half-baked existential cosmic thoughts here, uh, but <laughs> love some, some response to that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it, it's, it's just, um, it, it boggles my mind. It's just totally mm -hmm. bonkers as I try to like rethink the fabric of our reality changed by mm -hmm. Christ. And, and I, I, I do, I do think that there's something there, especially when I look at the created world, um, mm -hmm. when I look at the, um, 
the world of creation that that death is part of life as part of the the cycle there's always a winter there's always a seed that falls into the ground right and and so when we when we think back to the garden um to the state of original blessing mm. we would say that like we can like i mean we can imagine that that working the ground tilling the ground um was was the, the seasons were part of their sure there sure. and wow. and so so if if that is true which again i mean like i'm not i'm not <laughs> i'm not anybody i'm not an expert but it seems it seems to me that that is true mm-hmm. um and and it, it yeah i mean like i i i think just just as as that is a fabric of God's good and beautiful world, it makes sense that it would it would continue to be so as Jesus mm-hmm. offers eternal life, that there's some there there's there's nothing that is outside of God's eternal life and God's sure. good and beautiful world. And and in in our reality that like that includes death or or mm-hmm. death is not the end of God's true life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, that's the continued invitation. That's part of the invitation of, of, of God through Christ, that this desire to be with humanity and all of creation in the, the state of resurrected life has been such a central desire of, of God. And so like maybe more practical moving from the cosmic to practical, perhaps uh, uh, instead of getting caught in the weeds of like religious dogma of what the cross might mean or the theological weeds of all the different atonement theories, perhaps one of the best ways homiletically um, preaching this would be that what we see through God in Christ Jesus on the cross is the invitation for the church to exemplify that, to follow Christ's example, that if if we really do want to invite the world to Christ, we need to follow in this way of love, this way of self-sacrificial love, of inviting people to the presence of God that way, rather than some of these other ways maybe we've favored in in our our recent past. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and and it does seem to me that one of the significant invitations to the church today is is to let some old things die, mm, um, mm-hmm. to, to give up the let's get back to how things were kind of idea and to let to let things die so that there might be a new birth. Yeah. Um, and that's hard. That's really hard work. For sure. Like that's, and that's really difficult to, that's difficult to preach. That's difficult to hear. It's difficult to receive and difficult to do. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, it just, it just seems that, that this invitation to come and die so that you might find life is always the thing that Jesus is saying Mm -hmm. and not just to individuals, but to whole communities um, and especially to Jesus's own followers. And I, I think, I think we, we have to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, gosh, so I'm left now with wondering how to get all of this in a, in a sermon uh, for this, this coming Sunday. Uh, 
what sort of maybe practical handles, and I know it differs with every pastor in their, their context, but what, what sort of handles are you thinking over that one might be able to preach this well and invite their congregation into to hearing this? Because really, this sermon or this passage is inviting the church to be <clears throat> the body of Christ who invites or, or brings others to Jesus. They are the disciples, the uh, Andrew and Philip, you know, that, that really is the congregation right now. Are we going to be able to bring the world to, to Christ? Mm. Yeah, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like this is like Sunday feels like a long way away. Oh yeah, it and, does. <laughs> and and gosh, I I feel like I'm saying this over and over again, but these are like like these are di- difficult mm-hmm. spots for me. I'm a much more comfortable narrative preacher. Give yeah. me a story any day, and right. we can like I've, right. like this like this sort of stuff is really stretching to me as a preacher. And so mm-hmm. hope I'm not alone yeah. there. Um, but I do think that maybe this is this is the place where I lean into the metaphors that Jesus offers and to talk about a grain of wheat that falls into the ground, to talk about seeds, um, seeds dying to bring um, to bring forth life. I, and I think also wheat might off, offer me an interesting inroad like there there are plenty of single seeds that you would plant you might plant a single acorn and hope for an oak tree like a singular one but nobody plants like for one single stock of wheat what are you going to do one stock of wheat Mm -hmm. like that does nobody any good (laughs) like that that's not even decorative you don't even dry that (laughs) one bit of wheat stock like that's just not that's right. not what it's for, right? You you sow a field of wheat mm-hmm. so that you harvest it. You have grain, which becomes flour, which becomes bread. Sorry, gluten freebies, mm-hmm. but like this is this is what what wheat is is for. And so I wonder then how how I might talk about the community, mm. like the the body of Christ, as we as we talk about seeds, wheat, bread. Um, and and what it means that that we become the body of Christ mm. for the hope of the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I I don't know if that's if that's any more concrete <laughs> or like a way to to approach preaching, but but I think some of that imagery might offer me a, a helpful a helpful inroad. Yeah. Um, as as we think about Christ's eternal life in us living on in and through us so Mm -hmm. that we continue we continue to be the ones who bear christ in the world yeah Um, yeah yeah oh that's really good that's really good i my mind goes more towards the beginning with uh the greeks were among them and and uh, asked to to see jesus yeah and I'm tempted to think, you know, we can't even get to ponder what Jesus means by his death unless we really want to see it. Um, And it makes me wonder how much, you know, we have been caught up in things that we refuse to let die that you said so well, how caught up we are in those ways of thinking, those structures of being that, we no longer feel like we need to see Jesus because we built Jesus around us, right? 
yeah. that we've kind of kept on. I told my congregation last Sunday that they kept the bronze serpent for years in their places of worship, Israel did, uh, and started making sacrifices to it. It turned into another golden calf for them until Hezekiah came along and crushed it and said, no, nope, no more, right? <laughs> like, uh, and we keep just like, it would yeah. be akin to like, oh, Jesus, God appeared in a burning bush. We're always going to be looking for a burning bush or a pillar of smoke, pillar of fire. We're always going to be looking for God to work that way or a bronze snake or, you know, what have you, like how much have we made the immutability unchangingness of God Mm. so transfixed on the ways God has operated in the world when God has always operated depending on what's going to meet humanity best. That is where God is unchanging. However, God can get through to humanity in the best way. That's how God operates. Right. Um, and God has done this final ultimate revelation through God in Christ Jesus, but God is still trying to meet humanity in 2021. And so are we looking for burning bush type ways in our modern context? Are we holding on to, well, God worked this way really well through, I don't know, a church structure or these, this certain program or this certain government or this certain political leader, whatever. Are we holding on to those things saying God's going to work this way when God's over here saying, Hey, like, look, look at this way that I'm trying to usher you into my presence. So are we really actively trying to see Jesus? to, to yeah. look, look for Christ. Totally. That's good. That'll preach. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I am always so thankful for our times to, to get in there. I get nervous every time, you know, Alicia, <laughs> Alicia and I will be completely honest. We get nervous every time about like, what do we have to say this morning? But then God works in, a, in the conversation and we end up talking about all sorts of things that we're, we're wrestling through. And we hope that it's a benefit uh, to all of you who are for listening. So thanks again, Alicia, for joining that conversation. Yeah, it's always a gift to open the scriptures and to wrestle with what God might be saying to us, even in the season of Lent, where we hear over and over a really difficult invitation. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that we're also hearing the good news um, that Christ is with us, that the way of the cross um, is also the way of life and of hope mm -hmm. and of peace. Mm -hmm. um, so but hopefully, hopefully all y'all have some like wiser insights than we do this morning yeah. and that these half big thoughts were helpful yeah. somehow. In and, it, and if you do send them, our, send them our way, we'd love to hear from you. And, and as always a plain account is so much more than a podcast. We have liturgical resources, um, exceptional commentaries on our uh, home web website go and check those things out we're also available on facebook instagram and twitter uh, go and click that follow button and when you do uh, leave us a review on your uh, favorite podcast platform that really helps us to get the word out to those who may be looking for a free wesleyan preaching resource out there um, uh, and let us let us know how things are going in your preaching ministry it really does help us to continue to cater this resource to the ways in which you find best uh, helpful. So join us again next week uh, as we revisit the, um, the season of Lent, looking at Palm Sunday. Um, and we're excited to, to again see you, see you next week. Peace be with you.